Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hi there, this is Jillian on Love, and I'm on a mission to teach people how to completely revolutionize their romantic relationships by first transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you are in a relationship, single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breath, and minds. I have coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. Today's episode is the seven steps to survive heartbreak, but not just survive heartbreak, to literally rise, to thrive after a divorce or any kind of big breakup that has driven you to your knees. And I have a couple of episodes here on Jillian on Love that addresses heartbreak. There's one on grief, where I really go over the stages of grief. And there's also one that was released on Valentine's Day. So I definitely suggest that if you are going through it, that you listen to those episodes as well. Because I think the including this episode and those two episodes, you're going to get just so much. You know, I am very passionate about teaching people how to, or really helping people how to process the breakup that really has brought them to their knees. And to come out of that hellish experience on the other side, better, happier, more fulfilled, and just feeling like there's been a real transformation. Because the reality is this, most people, and I really do mean it, most people when they go through a breakup, and this was me, you know, for sure, when I was younger, and we think, okay, you know, that didn't work, you cry, maybe you're devastated. And you kind of wait for time to pass. Some people will start having sex with other people right away to numb themselves from feeling. Some people will cry themselves to sleep for months on end. Either way, there's this approach, which is, let me just wait until I feel better. And look, time does heal a lot of that acute wounding, but time isn't responsible for the scars that are left behind. And for us to come out on the other side transformed, we've got to do some stuff with our thinking and with our actions. We have to change. And this is what I think needs to be taught, quite honestly, to young teenagers in school, how to really honor the pain that is a breakup, but then how to use that pain to create something good within yourself and within your world. And, you know, I went through, some of you know my story, and I shared a little bit of it on the very first episode, but I went through a very devastating breakup that was a divorce. And the divorce itself, it's not like we had kids. It's not like it was this messy thing with lawyers. And, you know, there's some really, really ugly divorces out there. So none of that. But it was incredibly painful because I didn't want it, even though when I look back, I did really want it. But I was so scared. And that's the thing. Most people who say they don't want 
the divorce or the breakup, if they were to really be honest with themselves, and you know, it's very difficult to be honest with yourself when you're in the moment, when you're within the throes of the pain. But after some time has passed and you can look back, I think that people can, if they're really honest with themselves, many people would be able to admit that, wow, that was the right thing. I did really want that. But my mind could not wrap around the idea of it not working out. My mind could not wrap around the idea that what was once a dream fulfilled became a nightmare. My mind could not wrap around facing the utter uncertainty that my life was going to be filled with as a result of this marriage or relationship partnership not working out. And so even if we're the one who leaves, it can be a very similar thing too. I think that we don't talk enough about the intense survival mode that we go into when a significant relationship ends. Because our greatest fear is that we're not going to be good enough. It's like if we really feel that we are inadequate, a relationship did not work, which by the way, is pretty much 100% factual. That's where whether they've been broken up with or did the breaking up, everyone goes to a place in their mind. They all go to a place in their mind where they think, I am inadequate. I am a failure because this didn't work. And that puts us into survival mode because then we think, if I am inadequate and I am a failure, then I'm worthless. And if I'm worthless, then I am undeserving of love. And if I am undeserving of love, then I don't have love. And if we don't have love, we have nothing. And so it's major survival mode. And then you add another layer to that, which is what not everyone, but what a lot of people face is, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to raise my kids? Where am I going to live? How am I going to work this out? And so a breakup slash divorce can be an utter catastrophe. And we need to be taught in, in school. Children need to be taught in school how to cope with that from a logistical standpoint, but also from the healthiest standpoint as possible for our mental health and to transform. This idea of change and transformation the fact that this is not taught in schools is insane. It has to be because life in all its glory is incredibly difficult and we don't come with a manual. And this is why people, they go through something traumatic and then they find certain teachers that inspire them to keep going, to keep thriving, to turn you know, some purpose, to transmute their pain into some sort of purpose. and. This needs to be taught early on. When I went through my divorce, and at the same time I was going through a miscarriage, literally the day he left, and my mom was dying of lung cancer, talk about being brought to your knees. It was like I went into a very deep, dark night of the soul, and it was so unbelievably painful and horrible that it was just like I was in shock for a large part of the beginning stages of going through that heartbreak. But I changed my life. Did I get help? Yeah, that's why I made a promise to myself and others that I would continue to help people on this journey, heartbreak, to do in their own way what it is that I did, to outline these steps in various ways, as many different ways as I can to help. So... Here I am, teaching, sharing the seven steps to transform. And it's important that you understand that these steps are not necessarily linear. It's not, okay, check off one step and then go to the next. You might be in a step for a while. They all, in many ways, blend together. But these are the things to think about because a very unpopular truth 
about heartbreak, breaking up, divorce is the purpose of heartbreak is change and transformation. We can see heartbreak as this meaningless, horrific reality of being human. Or we can see it as the thing that is meant to push us further along in our maturing and personal evolution. We have a choice. We always have a choice what something means. And I, with all my heart, know that, yes, love involves risks. Getting our heart broken is part of life. But then the question is, why is it a part of life? Change and transformation. And the people who don't change are the ones who keep repeating patterns and keep getting hurt and keep suffering. And it breaks my heart because you can say, well, they should really work on themselves. Yeah, not everyone is exposed to this kind of information. No one teaches us this. I don't think that people consciously choose not to change. But we get into these habits, these mental habits. Oh, it's all their fault. They're the problem. How dare they? And then we get caught in these emotional states. We get caught in the anger phase, for example, in the grieving process. And anger can be really beneficial to pushing us forward. And then paradoxically, if we're stuck there, it does the opposite. It keeps us stuck in victim mode. So the purpose of heartbreak is actually change and transformation. It is actually an opportunity to heal. Straight up. It just is. And I understand, you know, that's not what anyone wants to hear when they're going through a breakup. And I would tell you that if you're working with someone or you have a friend or a family member or a loved one who's going through heartbreak, don't tell them. <laughs> It's just about change and transformation. You have to hear their pain, hear their feelings, and sit with them and hug them and try to help them regulate their nervous system. So let me just start out by saying, I feel your pain. I see you if you're in it. If I could hug you, I would. I know it so intimately. So I've got nothing but compassion. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep, which is so great. So you can skip trips to the grocery store, which takes a lot of time, and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And it also happens to be America's number one meal kit. Does it feel like your family is hungry like all the time, <laughs> and maybe even you. So you can add snacks, sides, and more to your weekly HelloFresh order. You simply just shop HelloFresh Market and take your pick from a curated selection of over 100 add-on items, which is amazing. Because when life gets busy, don't call for delivery. And that's what I do. And that's what I have done and what I don't want to do anymore. It's just not good for you. Instead, you get HelloFresh. First of all, it's 25% cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping too. Just choose your recipes and receive fresh pre-portioned ingredients so you can get cooking fast and right away. If you feel like you would love a homemade meal, but there's just not enough time, with HelloFresh, all you need is 15 minutes and you'll be enjoying a tasty, satisfying meal made in your own kitchen. Just look for their quick and easy dinner options, plus quick breakfasts and lunches too. I just love this. I think it's all about getting the best amount of food, the best quality of food, and with the least amount of work in my experience. What I can say is that HelloFresh has helped me so much. I'm very, very busy. I love to eat well, and sometimes I just don't have the time, and HelloFresh really comes to the rescue for me. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 Jillian and use code 50 Jillian for 50% off plus free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 Jillian 
and use code 50 Jillian for 50% off plus free shipping. And remember, it is America's number one meal kit. Let me get into the steps. The first step is to actually grieve and feel your feelings. I would definitely listen to my podcast episode on this, where I outline the five stages of grief, which is usually outlined to describe the loss of someone to death, for example. But it's really grieving is for any loss. And not only are you losing this person, you're losing the relationship, you're losing a dream, and you're losing an identity, the identity of being someone's partner, the identity of being someone's spouse, the identity of being someone who is just in a relationship. So you have to grieve and feel your feelings. And you have to take care of yourself. Now, taking care of yourself when you're in the acute stage might look like if you're able to get out of bed and run an errand, that might be a huge feat. And that's great. Good for you for doing that. And if you are able to, (laughs) for some people, it's like just, again, getting up to brush their teeth is a huge feat. So this is really important. You have to push yourself to make your bed. You have to push yourself to make sure that you eat. I don't care if you eat the same thing every day for a month because it's the thing that just gives you comfort. You got to make sure that you're drinking water because tears can create a lot of dehydration. And I really recommend that you take long walks. So if you do not have the energy to exercise, walk. Very, very important that you get your blood moving. If you do have the energy to exercise, anything that you can do with your body to get your circulation running and moving is extremely important. I really would like for you to challenge yourself to do that. And then the grieving and feeling your feelings, look, if it's a tough enough breakup, this is where I really think therapy is so helpful when you're going through some sort of trauma. And, you know, breakups, like I said, are traumatic. Not everyone, obviously, but a lot of them, the ones that bring you to your knees is a trauma. So having someone who's objective, who can just help you sort of sort out your feelings and you can just talk about your feelings and let it out, so incredibly important. It's also important, you know... (sighs) It's okay to once in a while compartmentalize. It's okay when you have work and you're like, okay, I can't think about this right now. I need to focus on my clients. I need to focus at the task at hand. I actually think that's very, very healthy. I don't think it's healthy to just be in our feelings all the time. And I also without question, don't think it's healthy to stuff your feelings. And I think that's really one of the big debates. It's like, how much do we actually stay in our feelings? What's a healthy amount to stay in our feelings? When does it become suppression and repression and denial? You know, I mean, you have to really just be honest with yourself. You know, you have to feel your feelings, but you also need pockets of your day where you're not in your feelings where you are instead preoccupied with a task in front of you. And that's very important. And I don't want you to resist that. Feeling your feelings, grieving, having pockets of the day where you are not in your feelings. If you are someone who, to deal with feelings, all you do is constant distraction, then, you know, the opposite is true for you. You're going to have to really give yourself pockets of the day where you really connect with your feelings. You don't have to stay there. I don't suggest that you stay there, but just to make sure that you're not repressing. Signs of repression of emotion, those symptoms and signs show up in the body as tension in the jaw, the neck, the belly, exhaustion, you know. A good cry once in a while is great, and so is a little bit of distraction. Number two, meaning. Here are some of the reasons why breakups are such an emotionally catastrophic event in our lives. 
We give it meanings such as, I'm not good enough. I'm inadequate. I'm a failure. We give it meanings like, I will never be loved. I mean nothing. This was not supposed to end. I'm not supposed to be a divorcee. I'm not supposed to be single. If I'm single at this age, then my life is over. If I'm single at this age, then everyone's going to laugh at me. I'm a joke. Because this relationship is over, I have nothing to look forward to. They're awful. I can't believe I chose someone who was awful. Something must be wrong with me. I will be alone forever. I will not be able to get over this. These are the meanings that we give to the story of our relationship and heartbreak that create a tremendous amount of suffering. And one of the biggest, maybe the biggest keys to transforming from this and from anything hard that happens in life is to challenge the meaning that you give it so that you start to see it slightly differently or a lot differently. An amazing book for this is Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. And his claim is that, you know, life isn't about happiness. Life is about having meaning. And we decide what the meaning is. We have very few things that we are in control of, but we are in control about what something means. In other words, there's really very little objective reality. Everything is subjective. And so challenging the meaning. So let me help with that. First thing that's a a difficult pill to swallow is all relationships have an expiration date. And I'll just focus primarily on romantic relationships. All relationships have an expiration date. Maybe that expiration date is because of death, right? Till death do we part. But if they're not ending because of someone reaching the end of their life, and I would even say that if that happens, you're still sort of in relationship, but that's another (laughs) philosophical conversation. But all relationships have an expiration date. And that doesn't mean that you're a failure. If it is a life truth that all relationships have an expiration date, why would it mean that we're a failure? Now, look, some people come into our lives and even though we want them to be filling up many chapters of our lives, they actually were never meant to. Some people come into our lives to wake us up. Some people come into our lives to shake things up in our lives. Some people come into our lives to help us through a difficult time. Some people come into our lives because they're meant to be an adventure. People come into our lives for so many different reasons. And oftentimes we try to make what should have been just a brief love story into a life story, into something longer. But also there's this. Many of us were not taught how to communicate. Many of us were not modeled healthy love. No one teaches us how to pick our partners. And we do what it is that we can with the level of consciousness that we're in, a.k.a. our level of maturity, and with the tools that we have. Now, could you look back at the relationship and say, I could have done better? Yeah. Many times we could have done better. But we can only see that once we've had some space from it. We can only see that once we've broken up and we're woken up from our trance of being in the relationship. Yeah, I could have done better. You could have done better. But how come we didn't? Because we couldn't see clearly when we were in it. And so that's just really the reality of it. And this is something else. I've never met a couple that was healthy and happy that ended in divorce or a breakup. Now, are there cases where people grow apart and they, quote unquote, consciously uncouple? Yeah. But 
I don't think that really comes close to the majority of breakups. Most people end their relationship because they're unhappy. And even if one person is saying, no, but I was happy, I was happy, I was happy. Usually that is a deluded thought, you know, I've been there too. That attachment is severing. And so we, because we're in fight or flight, our minds become very clouded with delusion. And that's when we're saying to ourselves, no, but I was happy. This is what I want. This is not what I wanted. Things were really good. We just struggled with one thing, communication, right? So there's almost an amnesia that happens. It's like in those moments where all you want to do is, right, because remember, it is fight or flight. People really in that moment go into survival mode. So when we're in survival mode, what's happening? We will do everything to survive. We, all our animal instincts kick in, and we're not operating like a higher mind being. We're operating as an animal trying to survive. So in that survival mode, we get amnesia. We think, no, everything was great. What are you talking about? This is insane. You know, I've worked with a lot of people when it comes to heartbreak. I've been there. And every time it's that survival mode kicking in because the reality is that person wasn't happy. They knew something was wrong. The endless conversations going nowhere, the things that were just not working. And what's really going on, what's so heartbreaking is, but I just know we could have been so great had we just learned how to do that better. It's like letting go of all that potential. All that, if we just got the right help, if we just fixed this one thing, we could have been amazing. And I get it. But what if it wasn't supposed to work out? What if it wasn't supposed to be that hard? What if even though it was so amazing in the beginning and there were so many good things that were right, what if it just wasn't right? What if you were really meant to learn some lessons from this and move on? And what if this person just really was not your person for the long term? What if they were right at one point, but then they just weren't? It's so difficult. Most breakups happen because the relationship got nightmarish, but people don't want to face that. So some things to help you change the meaning if you're going through a divorce or breakup. You're free now. Those endless talks, the stress, the anxiety, you have to challenge yourself to keep coming back to the present moment and instead of being so hard on yourself and blaming them and blaming yourself and indulging all these feelings of inadequacy, you're free. I mean, there's something to be said about celebrating a divorce or a breakup because you did the best that you could with the tools that you had. It didn't work. Likely you were very unhappy or suppressing a lot of unhappiness and living with a lot of uncertainty and stress. And now you are free. And I don't think that we talk enough about that part of it. It's like, yes, it is emotionally catastrophic. But we also need to learn that there is something and you may not be ready to hear this, and that's fine. You can listen to this another time. But there's something amazing about being emancipated from a relationship that was causing you a lot of stress. There's so much opportunity in your life now that you didn't have because of being in that relationship. And what I am asking people to do is to focus more on that. Focus more on that. It's so very important. So, yeah. You are free. Thank God you're not in it anymore. And challenge yourself every single day, as many times in a day, to keep coming back to the present moment when you are stuck ruminating about failure, inadequacy, unworthiness, and coming up with the most 
tragic story that destroys our lives, which is I must not be worthy because this ended. I must be looking at a future of lovelessness. (laughs) It's never true. It's a lie. It's a lie that your mind is telling you to, to protect yourself. It is not true. All relationships have an expiration date. You did the best that you could. And because you are going to adopt the belief and the mentality that all heartbreak yields change and transformation, if you're willing to change and transform, I am telling you that you are going to rise because of this. So keep coming back to the present moment. The way that I suggest doing that is through moving your body making sure that you still have the responsibilities that you do in life, whether that's parenting, whether that's your job, and make sure that you are giving yourself pockets of the day where you are not in your feelings thinking about and ruminating and you are focusing on the task at hand because it forces you to get into the present moment. I also think meditation is extremely helpful. When you're going through a really hard time and you're new to meditation, I wouldn't just sit there and try to meditate. You need a teacher. The teacher can come in the form of a guided meditation that you find for free on YouTube and you listen to a voice or to music that really calms you and that's what you need to commit to. It's very helpful. This episode is brought to you by OneSkin. Are you tired of going through endless amounts of trending skincare products that have great marketing and advertising that all claim to smooth your skin and firm your skin and give you that beautiful glow, but at the end of the day, they don't really deliver results and then you feel like you've wasted a lot of money? Well, support for today's episode comes from OneSkin, and OneSkin was founded by a team of four female PhD-level longevity scientists with over 15 years of experience studying the biology of aging. Unlike most skincare products on the market, OneSkin works deeper than surface level and is designed to promote healthier skin from the inside out. Because when you have healthier skin, because that's the point, you have better looking skin, Is your current skincare regimen clinically proven to reverse the molecular age of your skin? Probably not. So if not, give OneSkin a try and you will see the difference. For a limited time, our listeners can get 15% off OneSkin with our code Jillian at oneskin.co. I really love using it because I'm all for great skin and I don't like to use a lot of products at all. I like to actually keep it very, very simple and I'm sick of throwing away money on things that claim that they work, but don't really work. And one skin really does feel like it's nourishing my skin. And that is a great, great feeling. How does it work? They target the main source of skin aging, which is the buildup of old cells, also called senescent cells that impairs collagen production and leads to wrinkles and loss of firmness. The scientists spent five years and tested almost a thousand peptides before they landed on OS-1, which is their proprietary peptide clinically proven to decrease the levels of age cells and reduce the age of the skin by several years at the molecular level. So one skin is for everyone that wants to prevent or reverse the signs of aging with a groundbreaking approach. One skin addresses skin health at the molecular level targeting the root causes of aging so skin behaves, feels, and appears younger. It's time for you to experience a new skin health routine at a discounted rate today. Get 15% off with the code Jillian at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code Jillian. We only have one body, one skin, and only you can choose to make it better. Age healthy with one skin. Number three, we have to See how we contributed to the problem, how we contributed to whatever was not working in the relationship. Now, this is difficult because most people go back and forth between blaming the other and blaming ourselves. And you could easily go into a blaming of yourself, and you probably will. And so I say this with care, and I say handle this with care, but I can't tell people... Don't reflect on your part on this because I'm so afraid that they're going to blame themselves. We have to be able to see 
the patterns that we have in romantic relationships that are not serving us. Patterns such as our habitual emotional states. Do we bring a lot of stress? Have we not been taking care of our mental and emotional health? When we're in life and then when we're in a relationship, do we think, oh, everything's great because I'm in a relationship. And then you realize you wake up one morning, you realize your problems are still there. Have you been dealing with your problems? What are the habitual emotional states that you have that you bring to a relationship? Are you negative a lot? Are you stressed out a lot? Have you let stress overwhelm the relationship and overwhelm your life? Not easy, but so incredibly important, you know? And everyone, if we were honest with ourselves, we would say, yeah, you know, maybe there's some, I have some habitual things like that I deal with work. Like I bring my work home, my work stress home all the time. And that's something that I really need to stop doing. Another pattern in relationship is, and this is something that I see in, oh, 100% of cases, is that we unconsciously rely on our partner for our happiness. It is a very new thing and certainly not within Western culture, this idea, this concept that we are actually responsible for our own happiness. Now, I believe that a partner should add happiness to our lives. I think that they should make us happier. I think we should make each other happier. I think that we should make the path of life easier for each other, but no one can walk our paths but ourselves. And oftentimes what happens is that when we're relying on someone else to make us happy, you know, we have a lot of bad moods. We're expecting them to change. We're expecting them to be a certain way so that we can be more comfortable. This is the trap of codependency. And honestly, I think that everyone has fallen into this trap before. I don't even like to call it codependency because it's such a buzzword, and I really think codependency should be reserved for much more extreme cases. But just this idea that the relationship is responsible for our happiness, that we're not thinking this consciously because obviously if we apply some logic to that, we know that that's not true or could never be true or is unfair to even think is true, but it's what we do. We think if they only did this, then I'd be happy. If they only changed, then I would be happy. Instead of, no, I have to actually really put effort into my mental and emotional well-being. I have to find purpose in life. I have to have hobbies that I enjoy. I have to have, be able to spend a day alone and enjoy my own company. I have to have a friendship that's important to me, if not more. So. Do you have a habit? Do you have a pattern of making someone else responsible for your happiness? I know I have. Even though I always had hobbies and things that made me happy, I had this blueprint, which most people in this culture have, that love saves the day. Once you're in a relationship, they're supposed to make you happy. And it's just not true. The third pattern in relationships that most of us have to really reconcile and face within ourselves is our communication. Most of us are pretty crappy communicators. We might be great communicators at work. We might be great communicators when it comes to even texting, but when it comes to tough conversations, when it comes to being better listeners, when it comes to expressing our needs, when it comes to having compassion through our communication, when it comes to not being dismissive in our communication, when it comes to being clear in our communication, I would say 100% of us could improve. And some of us need to improve a lot. And we have to learn the skills. We have to educate ourselves. We have to read the books. We have to listen to the podcast. We have to practice better communication. And then the fourth thing is, what happens when you're afraid in a relationship? And I'm not saying afraid for your physical well-being. I'm not talking about abuse or violence in any way today. What happens when you feel insecure in a relationship? When you feel overwhelmed in a relationship? 
What is your particular pattern of self-protection? How do you punish? Right? So this is where we would see attachment styles. Do you get clinging? Do you do protest behavior? Do you end the relationship or threaten to end the relationship? Do you shut down? Do you run away? You know, are you a fighter? Are you someone who gets more submissive and then people pleases and fawns and say, yes, 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 it's fine, it's fine. What is your preference for punishing? How do you withhold love? What is your particular flavor of manipulation? If you feel like, you know, maybe they're pulling away, did you learn in somewhere in your programming growing up that if you pull away, in response to them, then that's what pulls them closer. Or do you say, you know what? They pulled away a little bit. I'm going to focus on myself, make myself happy and see what happens. I mean, that's the ideal, right? Or, you know, just say, I notice you're, or communicate. I'm going to focus on myself right now because you're pulling away. At some point, you're going to have to let me know why you're pulling away. Or, you know what? I've noticed you're pulling away. It hurts. What's going on? You can tell me. I'm here to hear it. But most of us don't do those things. That's what we want to aim for. Most of us will get angry or we'll shut down or we'll manipulate, like I said. So what's your particular flavor of punishment? How do you react when you are pushed to the edge of your personal insecurity? What are the things that come up? And then the fifth thing to consider in your patterns in relationship is how you choose partners. Is your picker off? Do you choose people based on a very limited criteria? You know, I'm attracted to you. I like you. We have fun together versus really trying to understand yourself and your values and then trying to see if they are a good match for the long term. Are you attracted to people who are mean to you? Are you attracted to narcissists? I have an episode on how to break the cycle of unhealthy and toxic relationships. So I really recommend that you listen to that if that is really resonating with you. Do you have to learn how to love yourself more? Do you choose people who are just like your father, just like your mother, and not the good parts of them? Are you choosing just based on chemistry? Do you have a particular type that's not a good type for you. So these patterns in relationship, understanding, getting really real about your habitual emotional states and the emotional states that you bring to a relationship on a consistent basis that's not good for the relationship, the over-relying on the relationship and your partner to make you happy and to save the day, your communication skills, what you do, what are the wounds that come up when you are insecure and what is your preferred method of punishment and number five how you choose partners this is major so this is step three it's major it's something to be sort of considering and processing and talking about and getting real with yourself number three is it's like the heart it's like the meat of the growth and all of it you can change These are like, it's awareness and practice and getting real with yourself. We have to see how we've contributed, not so that we can beat ourselves up, but so that we can grow up, so that we can rise, literally rise after divorce or a breakup. We can transform, we can grow, that we are going to use that pain as a catalyst to further ourselves along in our evolution so that when we look back on that partner in that relationship, we think, wow, if I were to meet that person today, I wouldn't go there. If I were to do that relationship now, totally would not look like that. That's what we want. Number four, your blueprint. One of the most painful things about a breakup or divorce is thoughts such as, this wasn't supposed to happen, You know, I know my big one was like, I was very, very determined and made the decision. I was not going to be 
someone who was divorced. I was not going to be one of, quote unquote, those people, a divorced people. That was not an option. And so here I am, divorced. And so my blueprint of what I thought life was supposed to be, what I thought life was supposed to be and look like was shattered. It's like someone took a flame to the blueprint and just blew it up. So here's the thing. When we are brought to our knees with a breakup or divorce, this kind of loss, we feel very out of control. And what we do is then we focus on all the things that are out of our control and it makes things worse. So you have to focus on what you can control. You can't control the fact that you got divorced. You can't control the fact that this person broke up with you. You can't control the fact anymore that this relationship did not work. But what can you control? You can't control if you wanted children and right now you don't have them. But what can you control? You have to be willing to change your blueprint. Because the alternative is blame everyone else and not change and stay attached to your old blueprint that is no longer and then suffer because you don't want to let go of that blueprint. Or you change something in the blueprint. You say, okay, I'm going to adopt or I'm going to freeze my eggs. I'm going to have a different kind of love after divorce. Or I'm going to live alone. I thought I'd be at this age, be living with someone. Nope. My blueprint is now living alone and having a lot of friends over. And oftentimes we have to change ourselves. We have to change the meaning. But the blueprint has to change. You have to let go of an old blueprint because here's the thing. We are revising and redefining and pivoting and changing our blueprints for various parts of our lives all the time. And when we refuse to change, that's when we get stuck. And when we feel stuck is when we experience the most amount of long-term pain because we feel like we're not growing and we feel like we're trapped in something that's never, in a pain that's never going to go away. So focus on what you can control. There are elements to your life that has not gone as planned. And this relationship did not go as planned. And that is okay because all relationships have an expiration date and most things don't go as planned. But there are certain things that you can control. And that's what you need to focus on. Number five, understand your values and your needs. I think one of the greatest gifts to my divorce many years ago was for the first time in my life, I was really awake. And for the first time in my life, even though I had been in therapy before, the first time in my life, I was really ready to understand myself, befriend myself, and really know my own psychology. And that included my needs and my values, and my desires. So you need to figure out what's really most important to you now, currently in your life, not when you met this person, not 10 years ago, not even a year ago. What is most important to you now? And what do you want to value more? This is just an example. Maybe you haven't been valuing adventure enough. Maybe in your life you've been playing it safe because you've really valued certainty and you've really valued security. But if you were honest with yourself, you know what you need is to have some new experiences in life. So maybe it's time to value a little bit more of adventure. Maybe it's about getting really clear about what it is that you just value that you've never been able to confidently admit maybe you really value luxury maybe you really value a certain lifestyle maybe what you need to do is value your peace and sanity because that's not something that you've been doing maybe drama has been at the top of your list and drama has to be replaced with not peace 
drama has to be replaced with a better way to get your excitement on. So maybe relationship drama has to be replaced with taking healthier risks in life. Maybe it's time to write that damn book. Maybe it's time to book that trip. Maybe it's time to start that new hobby so that you can eventually, when it's financially feasible, quit your job. Maybe it's time to walk away from that particular person who's been toxic in your life. Replace drama with healthy excitement and change. And then you can start to value peace and your sanity and all of that as well. But people often think replace drama with peace, and that's not really going to work for the person who really needs more excitement in their lives. Replace drama with writing that damn book. Writing the damn book is a metaphor. Whatever that means to you, do it. But just try not to get your rocks off for drama in a relationship. Most people who are addicted to drama have a high need for inspiration and creativity, but they haven't yet learned how to channel that. And so they're learning to meet that need through drama and dramatic relationships. And maybe you're someone who does value peace and you're not addicted to drama, but you have not tapped into your creativity. This is the time to tap into your creativity. Because in this step, step five, evaluating your values and needs, what do you really need in life? And I will say that in my experience, most people, not all, struggle with tapping into their own creativity, however that looks. And as a result, they don't feel so fulfilled in life or they experience a lot of stress or they experience a lot of depression and anxiety. And tapping into your creativity is so incredibly important. Going back to step two for a moment, when we're in a difficult relationship, it takes a hell of a lot of our energy to keep it afloat. And now all that energy that you normally use to keep the relationship afloat and to keep yourself afloat within the relationship, now you have all that energy all to yourself and you can channel it in the healthiest, best ways to meet your needs. And that is a good meaning. So figure out what it is that you need. Not just in a partner, what you need. Do you need more security in your life? Do you need more fun in your life? You probably don't, if you're listening to this and going through a breakup, you probably don't need more growth because you're going through it. (laughs) You're growing right now because growth is never pretty and it's never easy. That's why they call it growing pains. Do you need to be doing something with your life to make you feel more significant? Do you need more connection? Because Losing a relationship is losing a big source of connection, but the opportunity is to then foster deeper connection with others who maybe have gone by the wayside because all your energy has been in this relationship. So figure out your values and your needs. Because when you love again, you're going to need someone who is in alignment. They don't have to have all the exact same needs. They don't have to have all the exact same values, but they need to be in alignment. You need to be transparent about who you are. And a big part of it is your values and your needs. Number six, recognize your strength, your evolution. Just by listening to this episode, you are evolving. I am telling you, most people don't do this. They don't even attempt to do any quote-unquote inner work after heartbreak. You have changed. You have done the work. What I know to be incredibly important is that as you are doing these steps, as you are processing, as you are forcing yourself to go to work when you all you want to do is lay in bed, as you're forcing yourself to go see a friend when all you want to do is isolate, as you're forcing yourself to move your body when all you want to do is sleep, You are growing and you are changing and you have got to recognize your strength. 
it is so easy for us to recognize all the ways in which we are crappy and how we have problems and we're not good enough, but you have to recognize your strength and your evolution. This is an important step. And all the other steps, they don't matter if you can't recognize this. And then step seven, loving again. At some point, you got to put yourself out there again. At some point, you got to love again. And sure, there are people who put themselves out there a little bit too quickly only to realize that they're not ready. But more times than not, people wait so long because they're, again, stuck on the meaning, stuck in the story, stuck in the rumination, stuck focusing on what it is that they cannot control, stuck being hard on themselves, stuck in the past. and. You want to put yourself out there again, but remember, you're not the same person as you were when you started your previous relationship. So this is when you want to get very clear about the kind of partnership you want to have. And you use what did not work. You use all the lessons that you learned from your previous relationship about what worked, what absolutely did not work. And then you create in your mind the kind of partnership that you want. And that includes who you are going to be as a partner, you know, how you're going to be accountable for your patterns, how you're going to be a better communicator. You're going to include the kind of partner you want that is likely very different than your ex-partner. You're going to think about the qualities that you need in a partner that are non-negotiable, not preferences, because, you know, we can't get all our preferences because no one is perfect and you're certainly not perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. But what are the qualities and traits that you need in a partner moving forward for long-term partnership that are absolutely non-negotiable, meaning if they don't have it, you know that it's just not going to work out and getting really clear And then having a few deal breakers. You know what? Absolutely. No, they cannot smoke or be into drugs or alcohol. These are just low-hanging fruit ones. No, they absolutely cannot live in another state. No, you know, just certain things. Again, not preferences because everyone that we're going to love is going to annoy us and we are going to annoy them, right? There's no one perfect. But absolutely what is essential to you? What kind of relationship do you want to have? Now that you know things that you did not know before, what kind of relationship is going to match your level of consciousness and maturity now that you have actually done the self-reflective work? Don't skip this step. Again, these steps are not linear. You might be jumping from step to step. This is just a map something for you to think of. And there might be a couple of these steps that you're like, these are the ones that I really need to focus on. And you might find that you're ready for one step one week and then another step, you know, in in a couple of months. But this is it. This is, in a nutshell, the blueprint of change and transformation to rise after you've been brought to your knees from a heartbreak. And it always works. And it is not easy, and it is not overnight, but it does help. It will make it so that you completely change, and that when you look back on this time, I'm not going to BS you and say, oh yeah, I would do it all over again, but you're going to look back and say, huh, I understand the purpose of this experience. I did something with this experience. And I transmuted it into something meaningful for me and necessary for me. Anyway, that's it for this episode. The seven steps to survive and thrive after heartbreak, how to rise after a relationship has ended, a divorce has happened, and If you have found this beneficial or you know anyone who is going through it in any way, please share this. One thing I know for sure is that had I not been exposed to certain podcast episodes and certain teachers and influencers and stuff when I was going through this, I don't know how I would have survived. And so 
you never know whose life you could be very, very seriously impacting in a positive way by just clicking and hitting share. And if you feel inclined to leave a five-star review, it really helps. It keeps us afloat. If you have any questions or concerns or even any comments about this episode, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at hello at jillianonlove.com. And I thank you for listening. And if you are hurting, I want you to know this too shall pass. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production. Executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Shin Yin Hu. Editing and music by Will Tendy. I'm Carlos King, one of the most sought after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Nene Leakes, Teresa Judai, and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking portrayals, honey. Yes! Hilarious shade. And all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Are you ready for the ultimate Love Island experience? Join us on After the Island. We're going back to where it all began. Fiji. Love Island USA Season 5 is making a splash on Peacock right now. And guess what? Your favorite recap show is back, too. Welcome to After the Island. Join us as real-life besties and co-hosts, Elizabeth and Alex, as we deep dive into each sizzling episode of Love Island USA. We'll spill the tea, interview contestants, answer fan questions, and give you unprecedented behind-the-scenes access to the wildly popular world of Love Island. Don't miss a single moment of the drama, romance, and unforgettable island vibes. Listen to After the Island on any streaming platform.